Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hey, everybody, welcome in. It is the Wednesday edition of the Leach Report. Glad you guys are on board with us. Today, we'll chat with Kyle Tucker from The Athletic, as we do on uh, Wednesdays. A lot of bases to touch there, from Kentucky football to uh, a couple of uh, interesting stories out of The Athletic. Um, Kyle wrote about Kentucky football in the wake of the loss to Ole Miss, so we'll get into that. Chris Fisher will join us from catspaws.com to uh, lead off the show. And a little Kentucky football there, as well as some uh, basketball recruiting. And uh, Damian Collins has cut his list down to five schools, and Kentucky is among them. So let's get right into our Wildcat news of the day. Uh, Yesterday being Tuesday, it was the day that the offense talks to the media after practice. Uh, Eddie Grand talked about the uh, running back position in the wake of the rib injury to Cavassier Smoke means that uh, Grant said A.J. Rose and Chris Rodriguez will get the bulk of the reps this week. But he said he's excited about uh, the prospects for Travis Tisdale and Juton McClain. So my guess is one or both of those guys will get a shot at some point. And if they make something happen, uh, then they may get a a greater opportunity. But um, they'll probably lean heavier on Rose and Rodriguez this week since they are the guys who have taken the bulk of the reps all through training camp. But uh, at some point, um, but Tisdale's the guy that I think he's the, maybe the fastest guy in the backfield, and um, he's the one that uh, I uh, have uh, I'm just excited to see him get loose in the, in the open field at some point. Saw it once last season late when he got some uh, mop-up minutes, but um, I'm hoping that maybe he gets a little glimpse on Saturday. Uh, Coach Grant talked about uh, how hard, I think he used the word <coughs> angry, that Chris Rodriguez is running right now. And Grant said it reminds him of late last season when Rodriguez was coming on strong. Uh, Chris had 133 yards, a new career high in the loss to Ole Miss and was uh, ranked as the uh, top running back performer in the nation for last week's games by Pro Football Focus. As far as the uh, defense for Mississippi State, uh, Grand's impressed with what he's seeing. Does he do a lot of movement up front? Um, every step, there will be some movement going on. Uh, sometimes guys will be coming hard. Sometimes uh, they might drop off into coverage. So it'll be maybe a, a little bit of a new look for uh, Terry Wilson. I think it's a much better defense than um, 
they saw last week may not be as good uh, offensively. Uh, time will will tell uh, whether it was just maybe the matchup in week one. Uh, but uh, Ole Miss has now you know put up huge numbers against both Florida and Kentucky, and so I, I think the Rebels are probably a little uh, further down the road on offense at the moment. But uh, Mississippi State um, on defense uh, looks much stronger than the Rebels. So, And they're number two, to speak to that, number two in the SEC against the Rush right now through two games. Uh, now, part of that was they LSU was playing from behind uh, the game the uh, game in week one of the SEC action, so they're not going to run the ball as much. Um, but nevertheless, 71.5 yards per game through two games is what Mississippi State is allowing. A couple of basketball notes. Reports say that uh, Moorhead State is going to replace Hartford in the multi-team event that Kentucky is going to host around Thanksgiving. Um, that is also it's going to be uh, that real crazy time as far as games because you're going to have uh, three games there in that event. Uh, you'll have a Kentucky football game at Florida on Saturday the 28th, and then uh, in Atlanta on the 6th. You get South Carolina football game on the fifth, so there'll be a lot of games there between uh, the middle of Thanksgiving week and the end of the next week. Damien Collins, as I said, has got his list of five schools: it's Kentucky, Kansas, Texas, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma. We'll talk about uh, his recruitment a little bit more in detail when Chris Fisher joins us. John Rostein of CBS came out with his All SEC team for the preseason. BJ Boston's on it, along with John Petty, Trendon Watford. Keontae Johnson from uh, Alabama, um, LSU, Florida, respectively, and then Tennessee's John Fulkerson. And Tennessee, he has picked number one with Kentucky number two. Hearing great things about Boston um, from uh, U.K. practice reports. Uh, he's a, a guy that um, the, the phrase that somebody used with me is uh, Kentucky hadn't had uh, in a little while, as he could score at uh, all three levels, and um, you got Terrence Clark, glowing reports coming out there. So two really strong uh, wing scores for Kentucky lining up there in Boston and in Clark, and then you've got um, Askew and Mintz from the point. If you can just add Olivier Saar with some low post scoring, uh, I was told that Saar's, Saar would be the guy that takes Kentucky from very good to great because uh, he would. Be, he would provide the low post scoring that they might not have otherwise. Last night, Lakers beat the Heat 102-96. Anthony Davis, 22-9 for L.A. Tyler Hero with another big game, 21 in a loss for the Heat. Bam Adebayo came back, had 15 points and 7 boards, but it's now a 3-1 Lakers lead in the series. And the fall racing meet resumes today out at Keeneland. They've got one more Breeders' Cup win in your end race um, for two-year-old fillies, the J.P. Morgan Chase Chessman. 13 past the top of the hour. We'll head to a break. When we come back, Chris Fisher will join us from catspaws.com. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. We're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. They're in Hamburg and in Palomar. We're back out at the Hamburg location next Monday for the Monday Morning Quarterback Show. They've got an expanded a big new patio section out there that you can take advantage of. We'll be right back on the Leach Report. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the cats. 
Jump, one of the classics for Van Halen. Eddie Van Halen passed away yesterday, 65 years old after a, a bout with cancer. I think it was his, uh, his son, Wolfie, who uh, announced it to the world. Uh, and uh, once married to uh, Valerie Bertinelli from One Day at a Time fame and, and others. Um, and they had a bunch of hits, obviously. Uh, he was... Um, he had he was known as uh, for his guitar work, and uh, we're going to play another uh, song later that um, he was uh, famously a part of. Um, but right now we bring in Chris Fisher from Catspaws.com. We'll start with a little Kentucky football, Chris, and uh, what's your take on what the Wildcats need to get fixed in order to get their first win on Saturday? Yeah, the the Ole Miss game was was absolutely brutal. I mean, anyway, you slice it, you leave eleven points right there on the field, and and you know come up short by by one in overtime. That's a really really hard pill to swallow. And um, you know, there, it, it feels like Kentucky. I'm not saying they should have you know beaten Auburn or anything like that, but it feels like they're uh, just a handful four or five critical mistakes from potentially being 2-0, and and it completely changes the entire complexion of not just the season, but how fans feel about uh, this team. And so um, I think it starts defensively. Um, you know, when you're dead last out of 74 teams playing football in, uh, you know, quarterback uh, passing efficiency defense, um, you you can only go up from there. I think that's where it starts. I think they have to get some of those issues corrected. The secondary looked confused uh, a number of times against the Ole Miss receivers, and that's going to happen. I mean, when you play tempo like that, you're going to make uh, some mistakes and uh, miss some assignments and not get lined up properly and things of that nature. But, I mean, the offense, I think, has given um, Kentucky a chance to, to win both games. Um had a couple, you know, critical turnovers in the second half at Auburn, but uh, it's got to start on the, the defensive side of the ball. In fairness to Kentucky's defense, uh, Ole Miss put up a bunch of points and yards against Florida uh, the previous sure. week, um, and Florida's uh, have a, a very good defense. Uh, but nevertheless, what Florida was able to do was uh, force them into some turnovers. Kentucky has not. Uh, come up with a takeaway through the first two games, and uh, that's something they've. They uh, there's always some element of that that could be you know just good fortune, but there's also an element of it that um, you know whether you're putting the quarterback under stress or you're stripping the football or you're uh, really uh, have great coverage, whatever it is, there are ways you can can force the turnovers as well, and they have to find a way to do that. Uh, Vince Merrow fa- fired back yesterday when he saw a tweet. Uh, it was a. I Larry Vaught had retweeted a comment from Paul Feinbaum, who was on a radio show. He's a host of his, of his own show on the SEC Network in the afternoons, but he was on a, another show in Birmingham. And one of the the topics he touched on was Kentucky. And I thought the part about you know if Kentucky uh, fans complaining about not getting respect, or, or players complaining about not getting respect, and then you lose a, a game like that that you should have won, um, then uh, you know that's uh, you you can't make those claims if you're going to go out and then uh, not play well and, and back up back up the talk when you want the respect. I thought that was a fair point. Then, but he also, uh, I guess, went on to say that uh, it's time to just uh, move on to basketball now. And that's that's not fair um, to these guys because and, – and so I can understand where, you know, Vince comes back, fires back, 
players will love that. And now it's up to them to come out and, you know, back it up with their performance and not words. Yeah, and that, you know, the 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 basketball season line is kind of a stock line. That's that old. From, yeah. yeah, from a lot of, of national guys. And, you know, Paul Feinbaum does have a point. There's, a, there's always a lot of movement in the SEC. You know, you're either going up or you're going down. Nobody is, is staying the same. And um, I made the comment over the weekend that, you know, outside of your Alabamas and your LSUs and your Georgias and your Floridas, there's not much separating teams, you know, five through 14 in the SEC. I mean, Arkansas had lost 20 straight games. Um in the SEC going back to 2017, and they knock off a Mississippi State team coming off a win over defending champion LSU. So, as always, there's not a lot of margin for error. That's part of the reason why those turnovers uh, are so huge and, and, and so crucial and part of the reason why Kentucky's 0-2. But if you look at the way the schedule shakes out, you have Mississippi State coming in uh, this weekend, um, you know, kind of up and down, obviously, through the first two games. And then you have uh, Tennessee. Both of those are winnable games for Kentucky. All of a sudden, you get those two back. You're two and two going into to Georgia, and you, all of a sudden, you've got a little bit of steam back. So um, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, it's, it's again, it comes down to just you have to go out and, and do it on the field because – you make a good point about the the small difference between a lot of the teams behind that top tier. It's a lot like uh, I think, and I think Kentucky plays a lot like NFL teams, where you know a lot of those games go into the fourth quarter, where it comes down to you know a, a handful of key plays, and then you know being very sound in, in the kicking game, and you know kicking uh, field goals late, or you know making uh, you know a big stop late, and that's what they they have to find a way to do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's uh, again, there's not much separating Kentucky from being two and zero and and being zero and two. And I mean, you can go back to uh, I think it was the twenty seventeen season that uh, Austin McGinnis made the pair of fifty yarder, you know, game winning field goals. That was the difference in being five and seven and and seven and five going into. Uh, the, the Music City Bowl against Northwestern. So um, the margin of, of error is is slim and none. And, it, you know, I think a lot of games this season are going to come down to just a handful of plays. And whether the ball, you know, bounces your way or not, or, um, you know, kind of you, you spoke to kind of the randomness sometimes of, of football, especially in, in turnovers. And so, um, but you, you can, you have to control what, uh, what you can control. And I'm sure that's Mark Stoops, uh, message this week. 24 past the top of the hour. Chris Fisher joining us on the Kentucky hotline. We'll get to a break. Come back with a little discussion about basketball recruiting. Kyle Tucker from the athletic coming up a little later on the Leach report for this Wednesday. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. This is the other song I was talking about with respect to uh, Eddie Van Halen. He um, played the guitar riff on uh, Beat It, backing up Michael Jackson. Chris Fisher's with us from catspaws.com. You a Van Halen fan? 
Um, a little bit. Uh, those those two songs you played, I definitely like a lot. And I think I was reading yesterday that Van Halen uh, pl- uh, did that riff for Michael Jackson as a favor. Didn't even get paid for it. So, oh, really? Uh, a little piece of yeah, a little piece of uh, history there. Interesting. Um, Chris Fisher's with us from Catspaws.com, uh, where you can read his coverage of the Cats, among other things, uh, basketball recruiting for the U.K. men. And Damian Collins has cut his list to five schools, Kentucky among them. Uh, how does that recruitment look for the Cats? Yeah, no surprise there. It's Kentucky and, and four uh, Big 12 schools. And I think realistically it's going to come down to Kentucky and Oklahoma. I feel like um, most people feel like Oklahoma may be uh, a slight favorite. They have a couple of his AAU teammates on their way to, to Norman, and that could influence his decision. And comes from a, a small town in Texas, not too far away from Oklahoma's campus. And uh, the thought may be that you know he may be a little bit more comfortable um, closer to home, and it, you know maybe of a a smaller spotlight at, at Oklahoma versus Kentucky, but there's also a sense that, you know, Hey, the longer this goes, the, uh, the better that is for Kentucky. Obviously there's the Jay Lucas, uh, connection there, uh, recruited him at Texas. And there was uh, a time when it felt like, uh, you know, people viewed his recruitment as, as him being pretty much a done deal for Texas, mainly on the basis of his relationship with, uh, with Jay Lucas, who is now at Kentucky. So that definitely puts them uh, squarely in the mix. But the thought is that there's still some some ground to make up on Oklahoma. Jay Lucas is obviously an important factor in that particular recruitment. Uh, What are you hearing about uh, his impact otherwise since he's come on the scene at Kentucky? Yeah, I know he's been in contact with uh, some of the uh, recruits in the 2022 class. Uh, trying to uh, you know establish the relationships there and, and lay the groundwork um, in that rising uh, junior class. Obviously, Kentucky focused on uh, for the most part the the 2021 class and getting some guys to join uh, Nolan Hickman uh, in its 2021 class. With the early signing period uh, a little over a month away, kind of hard to believe it's 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 sneaking up on us. They it feels like they have a couple guys kind of on the hook. Bryce Hopkins. Uh, Hunter Salas, I think they, they feel good about joining the, the 2021 class and then, uh, you know, maybe let the season play out and, you know, see what your roster looks like uh, going into the following season and then just kind of go from there in the spring. Caspaz is under the 24-7 sports umbrella, and uh, they just uh, picked up a new national recruiting writer who I think is picking Salas to Kentucky, right? Yeah, Eric Bossy, formerly of of Rivals, one of the the biggest and and most respected names in in national uh, basketball recruiting. And he put in his first crystal ball pick for for Hunter Salas to uh, to Kentucky again. I think they feel good about that recruitment, and and much like Sky Clark, I think that's one that probably comes down to Kentucky and North Carolina. Chris Fisher, thank you much. All right, thanks. Tom. Chris Judges Wednesdays here on the Leach Report Radio Network. We're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Kyle Tucker, when we come right back. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. Kyle Tucker with us from theathletic.com on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Uh, 
Kyle based down in Nashville now, covering the, the Titans as well as the Wildcats. I saw there's, there's a couple more positive cases for the Titans after it looked like they had they'd maybe put that behind them, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a long day uh, for the Titans. Uh, probably a long week and maybe a long season uh, that has started off 3-0 and and is now, they had last week's game canceled. Uh, I think they're up to 22 uh, total uh, players and personnel who've tested positive here recently um, in this outbreak. Uh, they'd gone two days without a positive test, and now they, uh, and, and so they were going to return to the facility today uh, and then had two fresh positives this morning. So, I mean, it's you know, maybe unrelated. Maybe, maybe you just have uh, two totally new cases, but if it's part of this outbreak, it, it does highlight that uh, one of the real troubles with you know, handling this once you do have some people on your team with it is the incubation period as you're trying to play games. Uh, it's, it just varies with different people. And at one point, they had six or seven straight days of, of somebody testing positive. Uh, they had two without posit- any positive tests, and now now it's back again. And so, um, and, you know, and there's the other drama in the NFL today uh, is kind of involving, you know, there's so much swirling around the Titans and what they did with COVID, but the league uh, let the Patriots fly just a couple days uh, after Cam Newton tested positive, and it was revealed that he had several close contacts to the point that they actually flew a separate plane uh, of players who had close contact with Cam Newton, but still took them to Kansas City and played a game. And now today, one of those close contacts, uh, Stephon Gilmore, tested positive, and everybody, uh, Chiefs fans are freaking out because there's photos from after the game where Stephen Gilmore is basically giving Patrick Mahomes a hug after the game uh, <laughs> and tested positive today. So it's a mess. You know, I think the Raiders have a couple positives as well. Um, I think we may see a real stressful situation developing here for the NFL, and they're trying to get their arms around it. But I, I, don't, I don't know what they're going to do. You know, it's we. Uh, uh, it's just the the times we live in. Whether you're a fan or player you know coach executive with these teams you just wake up uh every day almost i'm sure afraid to pick up your phone um because we saw saw it happen early with baseball they worked their way through it now they're on steaming ahead toward a world series uh, it looked like the nfl was was doing pretty well and uh, now they uh, have a big big issue that they have to confront right and you know one big difference one the number of games and you know and the fact that in baseball you can play the doubleheader, and that's what they had to do. They had to kind of to make them up. Yeah, played a bunch of doubleheaders. Um, you, you need to play an NFL doubleheader, um, <laughs> and you really need you need you need some weeks off um, for just for health and safety purposes outside of COVID. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know what they do if they start losing. You know, you know, multiple games. Right now, I, I mean, it looks almost certain like Tennessee. Um, isn't going to be able to play Sunday, certainly if they get more positives even beyond today. Um, and if that's the case, that'll be back-to-back weeks um, that they've missed the game. And, you know, they've, they've already floated that they may, uh, if they feel like teams are violating protocols and causing this, that they could, one, penalize them a draft pick, which would be brutal. But maybe even worse is uh, forfeiting, make them forfeit a game. Because right now they're trying to move the schedule. They've already rescheduled the Steelers from last week, Titans Steelers, but if you got to forfeit a game over this, and, and that starts happening with multiple teams, I don't know how you sort out your season at that point. It's it's a mess. 
Ernie Banks famously said, let's play two. I don't think Dick Butkus ever did. So, <laughs> um, no, they, I mean, you know, they, were, they played Iron Man football back in the day, but I, even, even guys who played both ways I don't think would sign up for two games in a row. Let's uh, shift to Kentucky. You wrote about uh, the Wildcats' performance in the wake of their loss to Ole Miss and some, uh, I guess, what you might put under the, the heading of Old Kentucky uh, coming back. Um, Mike Pratt and, and other basketball coaches use a phrase called game slippage, where you, you know, within a season, you know, there's things are going along well, and then you just kind of let some things slide in terms of you know how sharp your focus is on some details and uh is it you know something like that that kentucky could 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 clean up quickly yeah i mean it's certainly possible and i think while you know and that is what i wrote i mean it was it that one felt like so many kentucky football games i covered before the you know the big turnaround you know the last two years have put a lot of that to rest um, but you know, you have an, when you have an established history of, of painful ways to lose, like Kentucky does, that that sensation felt very familiar to people uh, who'd been around it. But I would say that you know they have you know built something over the, really the last four years and the last two in particular. They've overcome a lot of adversity in that time. Um, you know the 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 first bowl season for Stoops started out zero and two, and people thought he was getting fired. You know, uh, last year they, uh, you know, go through the whole quarterback issue and end up having a wide receiver taking direct, direct snaps and, and win eight games and get to a good bowl game. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, one, you can always turn it around. Two, they this particular, you know, program and coach have demonstrated that they can be steady under fire and kind of get it back together. Uh, and then three, I just feel like there's going to be a lot of weird results this year. And so some of it you you almost discount a little bit because, I mean, we're talking about all – we're just talking about the Titans in the NFL. There are so many disruptions and have been so many disruptions to normal preparation. You know, you might have – you know, I think Stoops talked about the secondary got – you know, and I I don't feel like we've really maybe discussed this part enough. The secondary basically I think – I don't know if he's officially confirmed it, but basically got wiped out at one point in preseason by COVID protocols. You know, that's a good point. Uh, you know, I mean, and now what's the weakness? It's the group that, that was disjointed by COVID protocols. You know, we I, we don't know how many missed. We don't know how many days they missed. You know what I mean? Like, we, there's there are some other things that are at play here for everybody in college football that I think is going to cause some really uneven play and some really strange results. I mean, Oklahoma is 0-2. I mean, if you don't think Oklahoma is one of the most talented teams in college football, one of the four or five most, you're crazy. Uh, they are. But, you know, there's there's some some strange stuff has happened. I mean, LSU obviously lost a lot. But LSU getting rung up by Mike Leach and Mississippi State and then Mississippi State turn around and getting beat by Arkansas, which was has been dreadful for a few years now, um, is another example of that. I, I, I just think it might be – you know, it might be a few weeks into the season. It might not happen uh, that teams kind of get their legs under them because, again, this this is ongoing. The pandemic is not over. I know people want it to be, but it ain't. And it's certainly not for, for teams that cannot run positive players out there and practice every day. Uh, there's going to be a lot of stuff disrupted. So, um, 
I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if we, I don't know. I, I do think it's stuff that can be corrected. Yes. Uh, I don't know how quickly or how forgiving this schedule is going to be to let them get it corrected in a way that reflects in the record. Let's go to, uh, Shannon, the, the, the soundbite I, uh, just put into uh, the Dropbox there, uh, call that up with Josh Pascal, and it uh, speaks to a little bit of what uh, Kyle's talking about here. We'll, we'll hear that and then come out and talk about it a little bit. This is Josh Pascal after the game on Saturday. Once we got the SEC schedule um, and that um, announcement a couple of months ago, we knew it was going to be hard. Uh, Luke Fornis said this in the locker room. He said we knew it was going to be hard, and um, we just had to bounce back, you know, it's going to be momentum swings throughout the season. You're going to face adversity, and we're facing it right now. And so you're really um, judged on how good of a team you are after you face adversity. And you know, we're going through adversity right now, so it matters on how we bounce back, how we um, are prepared for this week against Mississippi State, and really just how we uh, go out and finish the season. So that was Josh Pascal, one of the leaders, a captain on this team after the game on Saturday. And let's go back to your point Kyle about the 2016 season because uh, yes there's it's it's a daunting schedule still coming but think back to that season the the first game they lost they they blew a 35 to 10 lead to Southern Miss in Lexington and then they go down and get their clock cleaned at Florida and they still had you know you 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 figure in the SEC uh, you want to uh, try to take care of all the business in the non-conference. So they'd already lost to Southern Miss, and they had the prospect of playing Louisville with a future Heisman Trophy winner in Lamar Jackson at the end of the season. So that schedule looked pretty daunting as well at, at 0-2. So kind of speaks to, you know, this this staff and, and some of these players that were around then have, uh, have you know, lived this before and, and uh, know what it takes to turn it around. Now they have to go do it. Yeah, I mean, and beyond even beyond the, those first two games, the first game they won was not especially inspiring. They they got no. a shootout with New Mexico State. Uh, Good point. In the third game, I mean, three games into the season, no one was impressed with that Kentucky team. And, and you know, I will never forget. You know, the South Carolina game, week four, home game against South Carolina. Everything was swirling. I mean, people, a lot of people, a lot of people, and maybe Mark Stoops himself. Uh, thought he was getting fired going into that home game at South Hill against South Carolina if they didn't beat South Carolina. Uh, and they did. They squeaked it out, and then they were off and running. They, they took a beating at Alabama the next week, but they were pretty much on their way uh, from that point forward. And, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's not great to start this way. Uh, when you have such a tough schedule, I think, you know, I don't think anybody would have faulted them for losing to Auburn, but I think it's frustrating because it, their you know first half you felt like Kentucky could win that game. I think going into right. it, they thought they could win it, and I think the way they played through the whole first half, they felt like they could win that game. So that was, that one more felt like a, a missed opportunity for a big win. And then you, you've got to get the the old Miss game at home, and you got to get it when you're up twenty eight fourteen in the second half. Um, and, and so um, you know while that's all disappointing, and there is you know this sort of daunting schedule ahead, I. This is a this is a staff and a program that has certainly kind of weathered some storms. I, I guess to me, more the thing I would get more now is like what now becomes. It was always an adjusted like what was what would be a successful season before they even played a game. Like what would constitute a great year? You know, you think eight to ten wins for Kentucky football is great. What they've done the last couple of years, those are great seasons. 
what would it be in a 10-game All-SEC schedule. Uh, I thought, you know, six wins would be an incredible season. Um, I, I think now, now that they're 0-2, what, you know, what kind of finish would, would make you feel like they had, you know, righted the ship and they were going to, you know, kind of be right back on their way next year, hopefully when things are back to normal. I, I mean, I think if, if they win four games right now, you've got to feel pretty good. If you get the five, you've, you've absolutely uh, sort of beaten the odds. With the way Kyle Tucker's started. with us from TheAthletic.com. You can read his story about the uh, Ole Miss loss there and a couple of other uh, interesting stories we're going to talk about when we come back on the Leach Report Radio Network, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. The rain is gone. 2020 also claimed Johnny Nash yesterday. This was maybe his biggest hit. Uh, Kyle, I saw somebody tweeted out a list of uh, these musical talents that should all be taken to a bunker until sometime in 2021. Yeah, yeah. If any, anybody valuable to you, uh, I think at this point you better lock them away. It seems like uh, this year's gonna gonna take us all out at some point. Let me ask you a st- about a story uh, one of your colleagues wrote at The Athletic, Nicole Auerbach, about um, the uh, transfer situation. There is, uh, I guess, an NCAA committee that's going to vote on uh, this week or next week on recommending uh, approval of you know unlimited one-time transfers. I say unlimited. Uh, you'd, you'd have a deadline uh, by which you'd have to announce, and if you didn't, then you'd still need to get a waiver. But you would, if you applied by the deadline, you'd be able to transfer wherever you wanted to. You couldn't be blocked from going to any school. So it certainly feels like this is coming. Do you think that will have any impact on the uh, the SAR case, ultimately? Well, I mean, as we understand it, the NCAA has already given the green light uh, on the Olivier SAR, that that's sitting on the SEC's desk right now. Um, right. And so, I, you know, I don't know, does that make a difference or not? I guess if it's, uh, I guess if the NCAA rule changes, does the SEC just say, well, the, the larger governing body says yes, we say yes? I don't know. Um, I mean, it, sh- it should, I think the, the circumstances and of, of the world we're in right now, one, and the the fact that this is going to change, I mean, it is imminent now. I think there's pretty strong support for this to get done, um, the one-time free transfer. You know, I, to me, I don't understand why, you know, three months before you vote on that, <laughs> you're going to deny anybody that's transferred yeah. uh, playing this year. But, um, but I, you know, I make no, I make no uh, guesses about what, you know, leaders in sports are going to do because it seems like, I'm always surprised, but uh, yeah, I don't know that it affects the Olivier Sar, but it, to me, it's going to be really interesting. Uh, you know, for all the reasons you'd expect, like uh, one Kentucky, I would think you know Cal Perry loves to say whatever the rules are, Kentucky eats first, and I would think that for Kentucky, this is an opportunity. You know, I, I wouldn't love this if I was really any other coach because you know. Kentucky just goes, well, we didn't get the guy we wanted to recruit him, or, or, you know, now they're soon it'll be high school, the top high school kids going straight to the NBA, so we can't count on, you know, our top three freshmen all being ready to be stars day one anymore. Well, I'll go supplement that by, you know, cherry picking your roster. Um, you know, and it would be an attractive place to go if you've been a little bit under recruited. You know, Kentucky didn't 
didn't notice you out of high school, but now you've played for uh, two years somewhere. Maybe not even a mid major. Maybe at a you know a high major, but it's not a great program. Um, you know, and and you've you've been great. And Kentucky, uh, you see Kentucky out there. It has a need that uh, I think Kentucky could go shopping for sure. But I think the, the flip side of that is going to be, and Cal has mentioned it. Um, you know, and I even talked uh, to Jay Lucas about this after he got hired. You know, one part of his job as this landscape evolves is going to be when this happens, this transfer rule happens, you know, recruit, he's a recruiting director for high schools, but he's also going to be the recruiting director for recruiting his own roster, um, for, um, you know, making sure that not only the players understand, you know, the fit or why they're not playing as much or whatever and, and can see a clear picture of what they can be eventually at Kentucky. That's important to keep guys, and they've had some attrition problems. You know, Johnny Juzang, Jamal Baker, those are the kind of players I mean, you got to worry about even more when they don't have to, definitely don't have to sit out of here if they transfer. Um, you know, Kentucky staff's going to be recruiting its own players to keep other teams from, from taking them because they can say, well, you can't get on the floor at Kentucky, but here you'd be a starter. Here you'd be a star. Um, and so that a big part of, what Kentucky's going to have to do going forward to be one monitoring other teams' players that they might want, have a create that shopping list, but also then recruit your own guys that you want to stay to make sure they don't surprise you and leave. Kyle Tucker from theAthletic.com. Uh, subscribe there, and you can read his stories and the one we talked about from Nicole and others. There's a Seth Davis story up about uh, Tennessee basketball. Tennessee, uh, a lot of people believe, maybe the, the team to beat in the SEC this season. So you can find all of that at theathletic.com. Kyle, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks. Come back, wrap up this edition of the Leach Report in just a moment. Bumping back here with a little bit of J.D. Crow and New South Revival, and you ask why? Well, Landon Young yesterday was doing uh, one of the media sessions with the Kentucky football, and he talked about his affinity for the banjo, and he plays. And he's a big J.D. Crow fan, uh, J.D.'s uh, family friend of uh, Landon's family, and a fantastic banjo picker, legendary. Uh, Landon talked about that he actually likes Rocky Top, as do I, but um, says he doesn't play it during Tennessee week. He'll play it otherwise. He said Tennessee ruined it, but it is still a good song, written by Kentuckians, obviously. So uh, just a a neat note there about Landon Young uh, playing the banjo. One Wildcat birthday, um, Alex Groza, member of the Fabulous Five, was born on this day. Guests on our show come to you via the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Kentucky Hemp Works is a family-run operation from Christian County. A lot of great wildcats have come out of there. Three generations of the same family growing the hemp in their fields on their farm, producing it on site, turning it into a variety of products that you can see at KentuckyHempWorks.com, where they are more than just CBD. And you can go see them on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Info and some fun giveaways, too, from KentuckyHempWorks.com. See you tomorrow. LeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreports at gmail.com. See you next time, right here on Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. 
In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.